the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Three. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Words of wisdom, as always, given to us by the great communicator. Can we continue in hour number two now at nine minutes after ten on this Wednesday, the twelfth morning of the twelfth month of the year of our Lord, 2018? Thanks so much for joining us. All right, I told you on Monday about this story. Simply, uh, <laughs> I'd like to say shocking, but I guess nothing is really shocking when it comes to big government. Shocking when it comes to big government anymore, trying to impose its will uh, and its beliefs on Christians who are simply trying to uh, lead their lives and to run their businesses according to their own beliefs. Uh, this time, we find out that it's the state of New York that has decided a private Christian-run adoption agency in the state of New York uh, cannot continue to do its business the way it is if it doesn't change. They have to stop trying to place children with families that include a married husband and wife. What a terrible idea that would be, right? Uh, it, it, it really is, quite simply. They are trying to tell. They don't even have a complainant, to my understanding. They just did this on their own after a routine audit and said you can't favor married husbands and wives when it comes to taking in adoptive children. Joining us now to discuss this is the legal counsel that is helping to represent uh, the New Hope Family Services Adoption Agency and a Children's Services Agency and Family Agency, I suppose, as well, uh, is Gina Halleck. She is legal counsel with ADF, that is Americans or excuse me, rather, it is Alliance Defending Freedom. And she joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Gina, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. I read this story with some uh, shock, and then I realized it's government, so I guess it isn't that shocking, but it's still offensive to the senses to believe that a Christian agency, which believes in some of the principles and tenets of, uh, you know, of the faith, which, uh, which are, uh, you know, the nuclear family, married husbands and wives, raising their children with, uh, you know, all of the different values that uh, we have come to know that Christianity is related to, and being told that this agency cannot be favoring uh, those types of households when, uh, 
uh, when uh, uh, choosing uh, adoptive families. Can you give us a little background on this, Gina? Well, Nico Family Services is a faith-based adoption provider, and it's been operating in New York since 1965, and it exists to serve women who are facing unplanned pregnancies and their children. And during that time, it's placed over a 1,000 children in loving homes throughout the state of New York. And as you said earlier, the state on its own initiative here has issued an ultimatum to New Hope to uh, violate its religious convictions or to submit a closeout plan for its adoption program. Gina, I, I, I don't know this. Um, a thousand children in uh, how many years is that since 1965? That's what about 53 years. Uh, is that That's a correct. lot? Is that a lot, or is this a relatively smaller uh, agency? It is a small faith-based agency. Uh, currently, the last several years, they've probably placed between eight and 12 children per year, and they have only five employees that focus on this area of their work. Mm-hmm. And you know, adoption is an involved process. Okay, uh, and and I can speak to this with, um, I don't know, with, with, I don't want to say with a degree of expertise because I was adopted. That doesn't mean make me an expert in this, but I do. Uh, I have kind of followed the adoptive process, of course, since finding out that I was adopted and uh, and and what my both my birth mother and my adoptive parents uh, went through in this process. Uh, so this is of, of particular importance to me. Can you tell me what it is that the state? when they investigated and audited this private, faith-based agency, what they found so objectionable? Well, they reviewed New Hope's policies and procedure manual, and basically they found that New Hope believes uh, that the most ideal home for a child to be placed in is a home with a married mother and father. New Hope will also place the single individuals um, if they're not cohabiting, but New Hope is unable to place with individuals that are unmarried couples or same-sex couples because of their beliefs about marriage and the family. And so they found out that New Hope was operating consistent with that religious belief, and that was enough for them to issue an ultimatum to New Hope to change its beliefs or shut its, shut its doors. And and again, this is it's important to note that there wasn't somebody that went to the state and said, hey, uh, I've been discriminated against for one reason or another in my attempt to adopt a child through this agency. This is just the state being bullies for the sake of being bullies, if I can put it colloquially. That's correct. New Hope happily refers couples. There are approximately 130 agencies throughout the state of New York, including 58 state-run agencies that are located in every county. And so the vast majority of adoption providers are happy to place and do place with unmarried and same-sex couples. So there was no complaint that was involved here. Uh, The state simply found out that New Hope was operating consistent with its religious beliefs and threatened at that time to shut it down. Uh, okay, but that's an important point. I'm so glad I had you on. We're talking with uh, Gina Halleck. She is legal counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom, such a wonderful organization. Of course, we all know ADF as uh, uh, the representatives for Jack Phillips and the Masterpiece Cake Shop and uh, Arzell Stutzman and so many others who have been uh, uh, assaulted, essentially, figuratively speaking, by uh, by government agencies um, uh, based on running their businesses according to their faith. Um it's important to note, so if a same-sex couple does come into New Hope, or, as you said, unmarried persons looking to, to adopt, they don't just say, get out. They say, here, are, here is a list of other places in New York that will provide potentially adopted, adoptive services to you, but we cannot do it because it is not what our faith says we, we can do. That's correct? 
That's correct. And New Hope also operates as a pregnancy resource center. And through its pregnancy resource center, it offers medical referrals, counseling, education, and tangible resources to all families uh, that are raising children. And so that includes unmarried couples, individuals who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. So New Hope really loves and serves all people. Uh, They simply want to operate consistent with their religious beliefs regarding placing children into adoptive homes. Um, it's really important to remember here that every American has the freedom to live according to their religious beliefs, and adoption well, providers are no different. Well, we're supposed to be. <laughs> uh, and, of course, it has taken a number of legal challenges to, to prove that to be the case. Unfortunately, ADF has, has been instrumental in, in helping to prove that and winning some, some very important cases. Uh, but this is going to be a different kind of a fight. So let's talk about the fight. Uh, Gina, where, where are we now? Um, ADF filed the lawsuit on behalf of New Hope against the state of New York. Is that correct? Yes. Last Thursday, we filed the lawsuit. And now we're asking the state... Uh, I'm sorry, we're asking the court for an order that would prevent the state from enforcing the regulation against New Hope while the lawsuit goes forward. So we're trying to protect their ability to continue operating while the lawsuit is ongoing. Gina, what is the regulation? What is it they're basically telling New Hope that they have to do? And what is the uh, repercussion if they do not? So interestingly, there is a state law that permits unmarried and same-sex couples to adopt, but it does not mandate anyone to adopt. And the governor was very clear, even in signing it, that this wouldn't cause anyone to have to violate their religious beliefs. But the state agency has a regulation that it's enacted that it is interpreting to force New Hope to place with unmarried and same-sex couples, even though that's a violation of their religious beliefs. And so that's the regulation. So the state agency has a regulation. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to make sure I heard that correctly. So the state agency has a regulation that is in contradiction with uh, the state law uh, that, that, that you just described, that, that even the governor acknowledges will not force anyone to violate their faith when it comes to, to these, uh, these cases. That's correct. So, so uh, silly me, I mean, shouldn't this be relatively, and I'm obviously a legal, uh, not, I'm not even a legal novice, I'm just a, I'm just a, a regular person, but it, it sounds almost open and shut to me. Shouldn't state law supersede any little regulation that a particular state agency uh, has, has enacted for itself? Shouldn't this just be about as simple as, no, nope, you can't have that regulation, here's what the law says? Well, and of course we hope that the Constitution uh, would also make this an open and, and shut case open as well, shut. right? <laughs> but, I, t- uh, I tend to oversimplify sometimes, but that one just does seem simple to me. I'm sorry, continue, please. <laughs> no worries. We're, we're hopeful that the, the court will um, receive our arguments well and that New Hope will be able to continue operating. What about the second part of that question, Gina, if, if you would? Uh, what, what is the threat here? Would they shut New Hope down? Would they issue fines? Or what, what punitive measures would they take if uh, this agency doesn't see New Hope operating the way they believe they should uh, rather than the way their faith tells New Hope that they should? Well, New Hope is, you know, has plans to continue its Pregnancy Resource Center work regardless of the outcome here. But with regards to its adoption services, um, the state has told New Hope if it's unwilling to violate its religious belief and it's unwilling to place children with unmarried and same-sex couples, that it must submit a closeout plan for its adoption program. And that these are open adoptions, many of them, and so that means that there are hundreds, you know, over 100 families that New Hope 
continues working with moving forward, but they would have to transfer to another agency. All their records would have to be transferred to another agency. Children that have currently been placed in homes but the adoptions have not been finalized are in jeopardy of having to be transferred to other agencies. And at present, New Hope has had to stop taking on new adoptive families and also is having to refer birth parents and, uh, you know, kind of tell them we're hopeful that we're going to be able to work with you to place your child for adoption, but we're at this time we're not sure. So this is really tragic uh, impact to New Hope and to its ministry. Yeah, it, it, it really it really sounds like it is. Uh, again, Gina Halleck is our guest from uh, ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. She is legal counsel there and also a member of the Center for Scholarly and Cultural Engagement. Um, so they have to shut down their program or the adoption or submit a proposal for shutting down the adoption portion of their program if they are not successful. Now, we all know that these cases tend to drag out for a long time. I can't even remember how long it was since the Masterpiece uh, Cake Shop uh, case started before we finally got a Supreme Court decision on that. Um, if, if this lasts a period of months and years, I mean, how many kids are they estimating would be impacted by this? How many birth parents, children, and then thus adoptive parents um, are, are going to be impacted by this where they, uh, they're not going to be able to, to avail themselves of these services? Well, it's only been uh, approximately a month or so right. uh, that this has been an issue. And uh, during that time, New Hope has been contacted by nine adoptive families that they've had to turn down and by at least five birth parents that they've had to turn, you know, kind of put on hold, at least at this time. So, uh, you know, I don't know the depth of well, forward. but I mean, if that if that's an indicator, in even yeah, if that's even an indicator, five sets of birth parents in a month. So just just to extrapolate that out to a year, it's sixty potentially birth parents who aren't going to be able to come to uh, New Hope for services. And what'd you say about a dozen uh, 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 or so uh, adoptive families who have inquired? Uh, unless I misheard that, but we're, so we're talking about maybe sixty, just you know, you know, spreading that out over the course of the year, birth parents and maybe over one hundred and twenty or so potential adoptive families who aren't going to be able to use. New Hope uh, services, and these children are going to be affected by this. Let me ask you another question about numbers before you go, Gina. Um, Again, you said there's no complainant in this case. This is just the state agency telling New Hope, we don't like how you do your business, so therefore we're telling you to change it or else be shut down. Um, How Approximately how many unmarried couples looking to adopt have come to New Hope? Uh, how many same-sex couples looking to adopt have come to New Hope, roughly, per year, that they have been, as you said earlier on, referred to other agencies that would be willing to serve them uh, It's you know in, in their stead because they can't do it because of their faith? Is this a widespread thing, or do they receive two or three or four or five same-sex couples a month here, or is it a pretty rare thing? You know, a lot of the people who are choosing to come to New Hope are coming to New Hope because they share their religious views and values. And so, you know, unfortunately, I don't have an exact number for you, but I do know that it's a limited number of individuals. And like I said, New Hope is happy to refer them and does refer them mm-hmm. to agencies that are happy to work with them. Um, so the the real tragedy here is that having more adoption nonprofits is going to mean more children finding forever homes. And the state is, by targeting New Hope and shutting them down, they're going to be, you know, limiting the number of children that are going to be finding those homes and the number of families that are going to be involved in that process. 
Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, it's 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 there's a micro level and a macro level, and I'm so glad you guys are fighting for this. On the micro level, there's the individual children involved, the individual families, and apparently a very small number of uh, of of non Christian people coming to this faith based agency looking for help, and that's the micro level they'll be impacted by. Uh, the macro level is religious freedom in the United States. Uh, we have to win this case. We need you and the rest of the legal uh, uh, experts that are working on this to win this case because we have to continue to protect religious freedom in this country. So we're going to follow this case as closely as we can from here in Ohio, and we hope to be able to check back in with you when we reach major uh, milestones in the uh, proceedings. Thank you so much. We'll look forward to that. Uh, if your listeners are interested, they can find out more at adflegal.org. So glad you brought that up, Gina. Thank you very much. That's Gina Halleck, uh, Alliance Defending Freedom uh, Legal Counsel. And uh, it is, I mean what I say here, it's a big, big deal for just religious liberty in the United States for all businesses. This is not limited to that particular business in New York. 1023, time out. Coming right back with you on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1027, the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, we got some open phone lines at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, uh, maybe a little less, we're going to speak with um, Kyle Smith. Kyle is the critic at large for National Review, and he reviewed I don't normally do movie reviews on this uh, uh, on this program. Not for any reason. I don't have anything against it. It's just I try to stick more to the issues in politics than that sort of thing. But I thought this one was important because of the subject matter. The movie is called Vice, and it's a biopic about Vice President Dick Cheney. And to say that it is filled with inaccuracies and uh, embarrassing portrayals of Cheney, President Bush, and conservatives in general is an understatement. Kyle Smith wrote a great, great review debunking all of the nonsense, and uh, I wanted him to share that with you so you don't waste your time going to see Vice. Uh, thinking that it might be a fair portrayal of Dick Cheney, it is not. The other thing I wanted to do here before we get to the bottom of the hour news we were talking about uh, Baby, It's Cold Outside. Uh, there have been a number of parodies that have been put together mocking the Me Too movement's ridiculous claim that uh, Baby, It's Cold Outside is some sort of an homage to rape culture and uh, some sort of a suggestion that date rape is okay. These lunatic, liberal, pro- pro- uh, progressive, um, uh, uh, trigger-warned idiots uh, who have banned the playing of this song might enjoy this one instead. I really can't stay. Okay, you're free to go. I've got to go away. Understood, no means no. This evening has been super appropriate. But I do understand consent. My mom will start to Definitely text her right now. Here's the code, and there is the door. So really, I'd better scurry. I am gonna stand over here. Just a half a drink more. You are in control of this thing. Invite them over if you like. Say what's in this drink? Um, nothing but Sprite. I wish I knew how. Just walk right out the door. I do know how to spell harassment. I hear you loud and clear. I'm trying super hard. Please just go out, baby. Just go outside. 
simply must go. Uber is right outside. The answer is no. Seriously, right outside. The welcome has been. I'll walk you to so the curb. Nice and warm. But totally consensual. There's bound to be talk tomorrow. Hopefully not about At us. Least there will be plenty implied. Please do not imply anything. I really can't stay. Baby, just go out. Baby, Baby just go. Baby, just go outside. Who's stopping you, sweetheart? Get out. That is outstanding. And congratulations to the Holderness family who put that one together. Uh, Simply brilliant. Back after the news on AM 1420, The Answer. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. Um, hopefully we are live. Samuel, can you confirm that we are live? Okay, we should have a guest on the line right now, so uh, I'm hoping that that is the case. Um, we got a, a conversation to have here that... Uh, I've been talking about this morning. So, um, uh, real. By the way, again, fantastic. Just put that video to the uh, audio that I played at the end of the hour, or at the end of the half hour, rather. I just put that video up on uh, uh, on my Facebook page. So check it out there at Ra- uh, Radio Done Right or France Radio on Facebook. Radio Done Right or France Radio. Uh, that's a, that's one of the best parodies. We had another great one done by one of our producers um, about it's Christmas time, and that is another fantastic one. So if you want to share those with your liberal progressive friends who still think that baby it's cold outside is some sort of a uh, a date rape. Uh, uh, hat to, or or nod, I should say, or some sort of a, 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 a what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, I can't find it because I'm trying to get Kyle Smith on the line here. Is he available? But if oh, thank you very much. Uh, anyway, it's a nod to uh, the rape culture or the Me Too movement, is what people are saying about baby. It's cold outside. That parody I just played for you is on France Radio on Facebook. All right, Kyle Smith is with us now. I am told, so let's bring him on board. Kyle, of course, as I mentioned to you earlier on, is the uh, critic at large for the National Review. We don't normally do uh, movie reviews on this program on a regular basis, but this one I felt was kind of necessary. Kyle, thanks for coming on with us here in Cleveland. How are you? Hey, uh, great to be here. Good to have you. Yeah, I don't normally do movie reviews. Uh, you know, a lot of people do. Hugh Hewitt, some of our national hosts like to do this sort of thing. I'm just more politically oriented and talking about the social issues and whatnot. Um, and uh, But I read your review yesterday, and I said, we got to do this because it ties into social issues and Hollywood's never-ending attack on conservatisms. And the biopic Vice uh, that is coming out uh, featuring Christian Bale as Vice President Dick Cheney, uh, appears to be just about one of the worst hatchet jobs on a on a conservative that Hollywood has really ever come up with, and uh, and I love the fact that you debunk so much of the fiction in, in this uh, supposedly true story. And let's start there, um, Kyle, because you started your review talking about the little disclaimer at the very beginning. They're claiming this is all true, right? Yeah, you know, it's a film by Adam McKay, who made Talladega Nights, Anchorman, and he's graduated to more serious pictures like The Big Short, for which he won an Oscar. Uh, for best screenplay, yeah, this movie begins with a, a disclaimer saying, "Oh yeah, uh, this is a totally true story." Except um, uh, Dick Cheney is one of the most secretive individuals uh, history has ever recorded. So if we get anything wrong, it's, it's basically his fault. <laughs> uh, at least we tried. Um, uh, I'm, I'm sort of I'm bottleizing it a little bit because there's some swear words in there. It's meant to be funny. 
Yeah, uh, understood. Uh, by the way, uh, tell me more about Adam McKay, um, because uh, I mean, it, it, normally when we see these kinds of films, they're done by the likes of Michael Moore and others who are just you know far left zealots who are doing everything they can to tear down you know like Moore with Fahrenheit nine eleven and so on and so forth. Does McKay have a history of this sort of uh, you know antagonism toward conservatives? Oh, totally. Uh, McKay's uh, died in the wool uh, Democrat. Uh, donor fundraiser he made some propaganda films to support obamacare when that was happening uh and uh he was behind the uh the, the will ferrell one-man show thank you america which is uh sort of uh, two hours of mockery of george w bush right at the end of the right. administration uh no doubt about it. mckay's a you know sort of a hard left democrat and mixing the bones about it uh, uh, you know most people in hollywood are pretty far left i don't, I don't necessarily rule out um, rule them out as artists for being that but if you're going to make a movie about stuff that happened just a few years ago that you know we all remember pretty clearly anyone who read the news remembers pretty clearly you you, you owe it to yourself it's going to be a more interesting movie if you uh, consider the facts and also consider uh, the point of view of, of your opponent as it were all the republicans are basically the uh, the evil evil doers in this movie um a movie that portrays antonin scalia as telling Dick Cheney that Article 2 of the Constitution means the chief executive can do absolutely anything he wants, wants. and moreover, uh, for Scalia to frame this as a belief, he says, if you believe, as I do, in Article 2 of the Constitution, that's just not something Scalia would ever say. He's a strict constructionist uh, and originalist. He doesn't believe in the Constitution as something like a holy text where it's a question of belief or not. It's They're, they're clearly stated uh, policies and rules in the Constitution. And that's what Scalia was all about. But all the dialogue from Republicans in this movie kind of sounds like, uh, you know, wishful thinking on the part of Democrats. Um, Steve Carell plays Donald Rumsfeld, who was Cheney's mentor from a very early period, from the uh, 70s. Uh, he's just a kind of a Midwestern Machiavelli. He plays him as, a, as kind of a, an idiot. He's got, I think, false teeth or something to make him look extra goofy. It's, it's not, it doesn't get get you any knowledge or insight into Don Rumsfeld. And then the same is true of Sam Rockwell's portrayal of President George W. Bush. It's it's very much a kind of like a Saturday Night Live sketch portrayal. But Christian Bale is very good as Dick Cheney. He does disappear into that role. And I give him a lot of credit for gaining the weight and, and sort of uh, modeling his mannerisms after Cheney. And he kind of speaks the way Cheney does with kind of his teeth kind of uh, gritted together. So the one thing I would praise about the movie is Christian Bale. Yeah, just in the uh, in the trailer and in the commercials that I've seen promoting the movie, he is brilliant, and he's really just a phenomenal actor in so many roles. So many people just know him as Batman, but but in so many other roles, he is uh, phenomenal. And I, if they wanted to get somebody to play him, they did a great job of that. I mean, I think he's almost as good. And I didn't see this movie, so I should say that from the little that I've seen, he is almost as good as um, uh, as. Uh, um, Oh, for goodness sakes, I, I'm drawing so many blanks today. The uh, movie about um, Winston Churchill with, uh, uh, who played Churchill? Oh, Gary Oldman. Uh, Gary, yeah, Gary Oldman, Oldman, thank you so yeah. much. Gary Oldman was so good in, in as Churchill. I feel like that's how Christian Bale is with Cheney. I mean, they nail these guys. Absolutely perfect in terms of mannerisms and sound. But it's not about the acting, obviously, Kyle, is the reason I wanted to talk to you, too. It's about what they had them say. And go back to the Scalia part and, and, and talk a little bit more about that. They have no, you know, again, this, and, and let's tie this back to the beginning. You said they, they say this is a true story, but however, he was very private, so if we missed anything, it's not our fault. I mean, this is, don't you have to have some sort of basis of evidence that this is what Antonin Scalia told a young uh, uh, Dick Cheney way back in the day before you can just throw that up there and call this a historically accurate biopic? 
Well, people used to say this about John Stewart. He would go from kind of social commentary to hiding behind the, the comedian's mask. So he's, if you called him out on any of this, he'd say, "Hey, I'm just I'm just trying to be funny," and that's what McKay would say. Hey, just, you know, uh-huh. this is really true. It's all, it's all just comedy spoof. Um, McKay is obsessed with this kind of left-wing conspiracy theory, kind of tinfoil hat theory called unitary executive theory, which to them means uh, the president can do whatever he wants and uh, the Constitution is, is broadly interpreted under Article 2 uh, for that purpose. And he has Cheney sort of as the symbol of unitary executive theory from the 70s. He's kind of pushing this idea that the president can do whatever he wants. And um, McKay, to some strange places at the very end, he says that some Justice Department memos uh, written by John Yu, who's the White House counsel, uh, defining what is and is not torture. He said, oh, well, these memos remain in Justice Department. Yeah. Well, I don't know what remains in computers means. Uh, if, does he mean that they remain uh, policy, that they remained policy throughout the Obama administration? And if they did remain policy, then that means Obama thought they were good policy because he could have, uh, sure. you know, as an executive branch thing, he could have rewritten his own rules for them. But, of course, Obama's a guy who went out and droned uh, to death assassinated unarmed Americans on, on the battlefield and, um, you know, not a peep from anyone like Adam McKay about whether this was as bad as waterboarding, which, you know, three people got waterboarded during the Bush Cheney years. Uh, you know, a number of people have been assassinated by drone strike during the Obama administration. And there's just not a, not a peep of protest about that from McKay or anybody else in the left. Does the movie, we're talking to Kyle Smith, by the way, who is the uh, critic at large for National Review. You should read his great work at NRO uh, online um, uh, on uh, Vice. Do they go into depth about the conspiracy to tell the lie? This is what the left, of course, had said since the launch of the Iraq War, that the weapons of mass destruction was, they knew it was a hoax, they knew it was a lie, they sold the lie to the Congress to get approval to go to war, uh, and Bush and Cheney knew it, and they were trying to enrich Halliburton and the entire nine yards. Do they go in depth on that? Yeah, there's a big chunk of the movie that's about that. The, the Iraq War is portrayed as, as like a PR stunt uh, that Bush and company didn't actually believe in. And um, yeah, what's a little bit different about this movie is Bush and Cheney are portrayed as kind of PR master, like propaganda masters. And they somehow managed to convince the world to pick up on their talking points, which were, of course, it's Saddam Hussein was a, was a great danger and probably had weapons of mass destruction. And, you know, he would be the next to attack us, so we need to take him out. Um, you know, not just for the human rights violations, the tremendous numbers of people he executed and put in prison, things like that, but also because he posed, uh, you know, a clear and present danger to the U.S. And, and you know, after 9-11, the thought was, we need to prevent the next 9-11 from happening. And I think a lot of people found that pretty convincing. Um, but there's, there's a lot of people who've gone back the other way and said, well, the price we paid was too high, which is arguable, and... Of course, they never really found weapons of mass destruction that they thought they were going to find. Uh, nevertheless, that is what the Bush administration thought. And, uh, you know, if they thought wrong, that's not the same as lying. I mean, if they made right, a bad right. policy decision, the, 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 the other information they had. And every the, intelligence service on Earth thought they had these weapons, including Francis. 
That's exactly right. That's that's right. It wasn't just ours. It was it was you know the, most of the coalition of the willing thought the exact same thing, which is why uh, they did agree to join us in that effort. Uh, Kyle, I, I wanted to go to the, the the aftermath, of course, of the Iraq War, in which was the vacuum created when Obama came in and pulled um, uh, you know the troops out uh, well in advance of of what he was advised by the outgoing president, President Bush, and by David Petraeus and others, saying, "Do not do this. There's going to be something worse that rises up." And of course, that was ISIS rose up. In Iraq at that time, um, you cover in well, your review. Blame, uh, yeah, that's where that's where I was headed Cheney, with this. Right? The movie yeah. the, the movie says that Dick Cheney is to blame for the rise of ISIS. Tell us about that part. Yeah, I, I can't even explain the kind of, um, According to this movie, Dick Cheney kind of was the first to mention that one of these uh, terrorist leaders, Al Zarqawi, who was and uh, according to the movie, Zarqawi was a nobody and didn't mentioned. Uh, in a speech by Cheney, made him a big deal and made him, uh, you know, attract followers and, and inspired ISIS to come by stuff. Shot the Bolden uh, train bombings back in 2005, I think it was. Uh, and and those are blamed on Cheney because because Cheney mentioned this guy Zarqawi, and, and <laughs> it's just totally insane reasoning. It's 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 hard even to follow what the argument, such as as it is, is except that. Cheney is a super villain who's behind everything, according to the movie. Is there any redeeming quality that they allow to shine forth from Cheney, or is he all is he all just evil? Is he's the evil um, uh, man behind the curtain? He was the one pulling George Bush's puppet strings. He was truly the president and doing all of these things for the enrichment of his, his evil friends at Halliburton and and so on and so forth. Or do they allow any kind of you know, even even in biopics that are slanted one way or another against or for an individual, they they try to show a little bit of everything. I mean, for crying out loud, the Doors, Jim Morrison, yes, they showed the drug-addled uh, uh, lunatic that killed himself at 27, but they also showed some of his uh, humanity, uh, just as an example. Do they give Dick Cheney any humanity here, or is he just as evil as uh, uh, as the left wants to believe that he is? They do. There is one thing along those lines, but then they pull the rug out at the end. Which is uh, when when Cheney's he's got two daughters, and one of his daughters came out and said, "I'm gay." Dad. Uh, he reacts in, in the way that uh, you'd like him to react, which is, "Oh, that, that's fine. I, I love you anyway." The, of course, the, the mother, Lynn Cheney, is portrayed as a little skeptical about this. Uh, she's she's played by Amy Adams, but at the very end of the movie, it's hinted without really saying that uh, Dick Cheney is responsible for his his other daughter. Uh, coming out against gay marriage when she was running uh, first for Senate, I think, and she wound up getting elected as Congresswoman in Wyoming. Uh, and this this family rift between the two daughters over the over the question of, of gay marriage is blamed on Dick Cheney. You say at the very end of uh, your your review that prompted our conversation today, Kyle Smith, uh, a critic at large for National Review, that uh, uh, does mangling history ruin a movie? Movie not always, but I'll discuss Vice's work of cinema in another piece. This is just the I have to debunk the fictional politics and fictional stories that they tell in it. But from a you do plan to write another piece just about it as an entertainment vehicle? Yeah, I, I have another one. Yeah, I've already read it. Oh, you have. Can, can you tell me what you say about Bale? Is he uh, is he Oscar worthy? Yes, he's already won uh, an Oscar. I wouldn't be surprised if he won another one. He's he's, he's pretty great. You could argue that he's uh, 
best of his generation right now. I, I would not disagree. Great, so. Yeah, I, I would not disagree. He's phenomenal. I just uh, I just wonder, like I said, in the very limited uh, portrayal of, uh, of Cheney that I've seen in the trailers and in the promos, he is terrific. I mean, he looks like he just nails Dick Cheney in terms of his mannerisms, voice, speaking style, uh, and everything else. So I just wonder if he might be uh, up for an Oscar for this particular role. And I, uh, and I could definitely see. And the other thing, too, whether he is or he isn't, uh, it's Hollywood, and they're going to love the fact that Bale lampooned Cheney. So even if maybe it isn't the best acting performance in the world, uh, they may give him an Oscar just because they love what they do, what, what he did to Cheney. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally cool with Bale getting an Oscar nomination. If Sam Rockwell gets nominated, I'll, uh, you know, I'll disagree with that. Sam Rockwell, I think, is a great actor. He won the Oscar last year. Uh, I love him in almost everything he does, but I, I, I don't think he really nails George W. Bush. I think he's just kind of doing gentle mockery. And Steve Carell, I think, is actually bad as Don Rumsfeld. Uh, what, what about McKay? Any, uh, any uh, uh, you know, again, outside of the liberal hit piece that he did here from a directorial standpoint, is this, uh, is this, is, is he, is, is he good? Uh, Adam McKay, yeah. I mean, he yeah. might well get uh, nominations for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay. I wouldn't be surprised. The, the movie's wow. pretty terrible. I, I think it's going to flop at the box office, but it's the kind of thing that Hollywood loves to praise just because it confirms all their prejudices about how evil Republicans are. That's what's hilarious, too. They do. Most of these movies flop at the box office. They do, and they keep making them. They keep making fun of people they don't like, like conservatives, whether it be political figures or whatnot. They make these terrible, terrible movies, and they flop at the box office, and you would think that production studios would be like, no, we're not doing another one of these. You keep hitting and swinging and missing, and uh, and that they keep making them. So uh, maybe it'll be critically acclaimed, but I hope they don't make any money off of it, and that'll, that'll show them, I guess, better than anything else. Kyle, really great review. Thanks for coming on to debunk all of this stuff. We'll look forward to reading the next part of this uh, from a from a cinema standpoint. But we really appreciate you coming on here in Cleveland. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kyle. Kyle Smith, uh, critic at large for NRO National Review Online. Make sure you read that. Uh, I'll tweet that one and I'll post it as well. So if you follow me on Twitter at Radio Dunright or on Facebook at France Radio, you can see that for yourself. All right, let me get out so we can come back in again with a very short segment. Uh, maybe a call, maybe you're not, uh, but we'll have it for you coming up next right here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. You still haven't called him names. They wouldn't let poor Rudolph join in. Oh, my goodness gracious. 10.55, just five minutes left before the top of the hour. And Mike Gallagher right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being a part of our conversations today. Thanks again to my two great guests this hour, Kyle Smith, uh, who wrote a great review of uh, Vice uh, for NRO for National Review. He was terrific. And also thanks to uh, Gina Halleck from the Alliance Defending Freedom. Those are a couple of very, uh, uh, I think, important, particularly the adoption agency one, very important stories. The reason Vice was important to me enough to have a reviewer on like this is because it's just so aggravating and so frustrating sometimes to to watch Hollywood continue its unchecked, nonstop assault on uh, on conservatives the way that they do. And there's really no way for anyone to fight back. What's someone going to do? Write a positive biopic of Dick Cheney? They just get out there and they take their pound of flesh and they pat each other on the back and they high-five each other and... Guess what? 
then they lose money doing it. And like I said, that's about the best revenge, I suppose. Uh, the best outcome we can hope for is that they go broke trying to take their pot shots at conservatives. But they do. They take shots at Cheney, Bush, Antonin Scalia, Donald Rumsfeld. They try to embarrass them all as being, you know, uh, uneducated, ignorant kooks uh, in government. In other words, they're trying to paint Republicans in the Bush administration era as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is in real life today. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what they tried to do. So I feel like it's just, you know, it's worth uh, pointing that out. And please don't spend your dollars. If you were thinking to yourself, man, I loved Vice President, because I did, by the by. I really liked Vice President Dick Cheney when he, when he uh, ran the government with President Bush. I really did. And if you're not aware of this, you might look and say, wow, they're doing a biopic of, I like Christian Bale. He was Batman. And they're doing, he's playing Dick Cheney. This should be good. And you go and you think to yourself, you're going to see a, a cool story about uh, the life and the professional career of Dick Cheney. And then you go out there and see this hatchet job that just embarrasses him. And rep- I just wanted you to be aware of that. If you, if you were thinking about going to see Vice because you like Dick Cheney, do not go see and go and see Vice because you like Dick Cheney. There's bad news on the horizon. I spent the first hour of the program praising President Trump for a lot of uh, very great things that he did and said yesterday in his little meeting with uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. The president was very presidential, doing his best to uh, argue for the need for border security, to argue for a border wall. All of the things that the president did were fantastic because that's what it's about. It's about national security. Having said that, I have to tell you, very bad news yesterday because the president got an assist from Mitch McConnell in his jailbreak bill. The president's going to get a big legislative victory, it appears, before the end of this year in the form of criminal justice reform and jailbreak, essentially. It is going to allow a lot of very, very dangerous people to get out of prison early, and it is going to minimize the ability of uh, uh, judges to sentence people who are dangerous people to longer terms going into the future. It is not going to be what is best for the American people in terms of security. There are a lot of very dangerous people who are going to be on the streets now because of this. So as much as I love what the president has done with respect to national security, with respect to uh, the um, uh, the uh, 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 border security and everything else that we just talked about, I have to say, Mr. President, please snap out of it. Wake up. Do not sign a criminal reform bill that does this. It is just too dangerous. Too many uh, uh, very violent people are going to be put back on the streets if you sign that bill. So, Mr. President, please don't make that mistake. Had to get that out there because it will be a big part of tomorrow's program. We're going to talk to Daniel Horowitz, who has done some yeoman's duty on reporting on all of this. That will be on tomorrow's program. Also, Ryan Morrow on tomorrow's program as well. So there we are. Mike Gallagher's coming up next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.